I'd like to talk to you this morning about uh, a mother of faith. And, uh, her life stands out in the Bible. Of course, it's Moses' mother. She lived in a very dangerous time, much more dangerous than you and I live in today. And so when we start to feel sorry for ourselves, we just go to this passage of the Bible and we feel a lot better. Chapter 2 says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife of the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child. I don't think any mother that ever looked at any son or daughter ever thought otherwise, do you? Uh, there's nothing as precious as that. She hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, uh, when he got too, too rambunctious, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know that what would uh, be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to the bathe at the river, and the maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent uh, her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. I've read many articles on this, and many people have said that God sent an angel to pinch that baby right at the appropriate time. And, uh, and no mother can ever resist crying baby, right? Well, you can resist it after a while. But for the initial, initial part of it, you can't. She had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, I have an idea. Shall I go and call a nurse to, for you to see the Hebrew women? And she may nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother, one of the most beautiful miracles in the Bible. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. Uh, here we find the making of a great person. Every... Every child is a bundle of potential life. Every child is a bundle of potential uh, to be a difference maker in our world. Um, here, you know, if I were to ask you this morning what the name of Moses' mother was, you wouldn't know. Uh, I've looked it up several times, and, and I just know because I just looked it up. But I keep forgetting it. It's in Exodus chapter 6. Jochebed is her name. You won't remember that. And, and many of our, many mothers in this world are not remembered. Their children seem to be remembered, but, but not them. But it's because of their mother uh, that we have great kids and uh, great leaders in our world. Mothers are the unsung heroes of our world. Uh, we can't honor mothers enough. And so here we find in this story a life that goes on in difficult times. I've heard many people say, even in the church, uh, I'd hate to try to bring up children in times like these. Well, uh, there's been harder times than these. And uh, because the times are hard, that doesn't uh, eliminate the fact that, that we need to have uh, children. We need to continue to bring children into the world and to let them experience the world and uh, do their thing for God. You know, the nation of Israel had been toiling and languishing away in Egypt for many years uh, we talk in America about the disappearance of the American dream. Well, they had no dream there. I guess they did, though. And their dream was, how were they going to face tomorrow? I recently bought a, books, a book in the bookstore, and as you know, titles sell books. Uh, 
And on the picture was, uh, on the cover of the book was a Korean veteran. And inside the flyleaf of the book, it talked about a photojournalist interviewing this Korean veteran over in Korea. And it's become an iconic picture of the Korean War. The photojournalist asked him what he wanted most, and he thought for a minute, and he said, give me tomorrow. That's what he wanted most. I, I dare say today, if you go back into Egypt at this time and interview anybody in the street, that would be their request. Give me tomorrow. I just want tomorrow. You know, we can't conceive about how horrible the times were. Uh, people were praying for girls, by the way, at this time, not boys. Because, as you know, the story of chapter 1, there was a decree that went out from Pharaoh to take the lives of all of the Israeli boys. And so uh, people all over were saying, Lord, no boys here, please. Just give us girls. Well, the evil society turned up the heat on God's people. They always do. And they told, first of all, the midwives to go out and take the life of the kids. Now, of course, they wouldn't do that. And the Bible says, and the reason why in verse chapter 1, verse 17 and 21 is they feared God. It's a good thing to fear God. You know that? Because one of these days people have to face God. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to have a healthy fear of God. And so they said, listen, we fear God more than you, Pharaoh, and so we're not going to take the lives of these kids. And so then, then Pharaoh went one step further, and he says, listen, anybody in town, whenever you find a little baby boy, you just eliminate him, okay? Uh, and, but God's people in the midst of that stood firm. They defied the law of the land when it contradicted God's law. God's law is higher than the law of the land, and we need to remember that. Because in the days ahead, we may have conflict uh, in our country between the laws of man and the laws of God, and so then, then we have to stand up and see what we're really made of. Moses' mother responded by faith. Faith is man's response to God's command. God created life, and he respects life. Uh, Hebrews 11.23 uh, talks about uh, this faith. Let's read it together, okay? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Uh, they, the midwives were not afraid. Listen to this. The midwives were not afraid. Moses' parents weren't afraid. Uh, and so they had faith. Now, faith doesn't uh, take away the feeling of fear, it just enables you to transcend it, that's all. It enables you to go on. We live in a fearful world, don't we? Uh, sometimes if we're not afraid, and when I went to Mexico last week, people were saying, why are you going down there? I felt a little afraid. till I got down there and saw those tacos, and it took all my fear away. <laughs> completely washed my fear away. I was, I was cured after that. Well, she made a little boat for her baby boy, and, um, and uh, you know, it looked to me, as I read this story time and time again, year after year, it looked to me like there was a plan in the home. Uh, let's make this boat. Let's launch this boat out there and see what happens. We can't keep this kid in our house any longer. He's got colic. Keeps crying all the time. The neighbors will know he's here. And so she built this little ark to protect her child from the world. Well, you know, arks have saved people before. Noah built an ark to protect his family. And, you know, you and I are doing 
something similar to that, not actually literally, but figuratively. We're building an ark to protect our family in this world. We're bringing our kids to church. We're teaching them the Bible. We're protecting them in that little ark. We're trying to give them a Christian worldview so that when they go out and uh, whenever they are confronted with the philosophy of the world, that they will be able to resist and say, tell the world that they're not interested. Um, uh, there came a day in the life of this family that they said, listen, we can't protect this little kid anymore. And so let's just, uh, this has to be completely given over to God. And there are some situations in our life that we, over which we have no control. And so they launched this little boat. God's plan was moving forward. The daughter of Pharaoh, uh, they say it could have been uh, Queen Hatshepsut. You've heard that name. You can't pronounce it. I've been practicing all week. I still can't do it right. But I've heard it on television. They said it could have been her that went uh, down to the uh, and found this little baby. And, uh, and the story is truly miraculous because it, it surprises you. It's one of those surprise stories. You know, Moses' mother would have been so happy if the queen would have taken that baby and she never saw that baby again. She would have been so thrilled with that that the baby's life was saved because mother always wants that, right? Uh, but boy, I'll tell you, God surprised her. Ephesians 3.20, I think, is the verse that uh, tells us about that. Do we have that? It's over there. I see it. All right, good. Let's read it over here. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Now, we already did that, didn't we? <laughs> Ephesians 3.20. What we got? Well, this is a challenge today. <laughs> it's, it's on that screen back there, and it's on here. Okay, let's read it. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Sometimes God answers this way. You know, we pray for something and we say, boy, if I could just have this, Lord, if this would just happen, and then all of a sudden, wham. Can you imagine how excited Moses' mother was whenever, the, whenever their sister came back and said, hey, listen, Pharaoh's daughter wants to hire you and pay you to feed your baby. That's big. Well, Moses' mother was blessed by God. Uh, I think mothers have more influence on kids than anyone else. I call it the University of Motherhood. Uh, she taught him what he needed to know about the real God and the story of his life and who he was. And uh, You know, the University of Mother was eventually transcended. That The Bible says in Acts 7, 22, that he went to the Egyptian university. But I'm here today to tell you, mothers, there's a more important university than that. And that's yours your kids, going to your school, hearing your teaching. Uh, she planted seeds of faith as well. You probably heard the story of the uh, bamboo plant. Uh, when you, when in China, when they plant the bamboo plant, they water it, they fertilize it the first year, nothing happens. The second year, they continue to water, they continue to fertilize the seeds, still nothing happens. The farmer continues this process for a third, fourth year and no visible results. Then sometime during the fifth year, a period of approximately six weeks, the Chinese bamboo plant grows 90 feet. Now this church is 120 foot long from that back wall back there to this wall, 90 feet. And then the question is this, did it grow 90 feet in six weeks or did it grow 90 feet in five years? 
Well, the obvious answer is that it grew 90 feet in five years. If the grower hadn't applied the water and the fertilizer every year, there would be no bamboo. Well, it's the same with raising kids. Uh, you know, we pour our lives into them. We plant seeds of character, pull weeds, pull weeds of discipline. We water and, and pray for them, and we fertilize with encouraging words. And one day, if we are persistent and consistent, we will see beautiful results. We'll see the next generation of Christians standing tall. We see this happening in the church all the time. You know, kids grow up in the church. Their parents do the best they can teaching them the things of God, and they kind of drop out. They become un uninterested for a while until a little baby is born in their house. And then uh, they come back to church. You know, there is this verse of Scripture in the Bible that says, train up your child, what? In the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Well, Moses made a decision. Um, it's interesting, and uh, when he grew up, the Bible says, you know, it's easy to grow old, it's hard to grow up. Can I have an amen for that? You know, some people are old and never grow up. Quit looking at me look at like that. Whenever, uh, whenever Moses uh, grew up, the Bible says, and in, in Acts 7, it says he was 40 years old. It took him 40 years to grow up. All the pieces came together. And then he, he did something by faith. Uh, he, uh, he made a decision in his life. He got on the right side. Uh, the greatest gift that a parent can ever give their children is faith. Do you know that? You can put money in the bank and you can put your kid in the greatest college. You can put money in the bank, give them a down payment or buy a house for them or do whatever you want to. But I'll tell you what, the Bible says, Jesus says, uh, that the most important thing is their soul. What shall a man profit if they have an education? and lose their own soul? What shall a man profit if they have a nice house in a good neighborhood and lose their own soul? Uh, parents, if you give your kids faith, they will rise up and call you blessed. They will. And so what happened after 40 years, uh, he got on the right side, the side of his mother, and uh, great, uh, tremendous things then began to happen. Uh, he made decision after decision. If you'll uh, look back to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, th that's where we have more of the story. Paul Harvey would say the rest of the story. Uh, verse number 24, look at this. Verse 23 talks about the faith of his mother, and then all of a sudden he adopts the faith of his mother. Mother's faith is transplanted into him. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, 40 years of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be associated with the people that he was associated with for 40 years. He wanted to become the person that God made him to be. And, you know, I think that's the greatest thing in all the world, to be able to come to the end of life and know that you're actually the person that God made you to be. Not the person God, somebody wanted you to be. Not the person your friends thought you should be, but the person that you were meant to be. Uh, he refused to be called the son of... And then he chose to suffer with the people of God. How about that? You know, he lived a pretty opulent life. He had everything. He had their version of MasterCard. No limit. No limit whatsoever. He had to turn in his card. He said, listen, I'm not only going to turn in my card... Uh, I'm going to go suffer 
with my people. I'll tell you what, that's faith. He gave up his credit card, and he knew that he'd have to pay a price. Uh, what kind of life uh, do I want, he said. He said in verse number 25, I'm going to give up the passing pleasure of sin. And I think he probably knew something about it because uh, he was as high as you could get in that government and he had everything at his disposal and he probably lived pretty wicked, sinful life. And, you know, because... And then he says, listen, sin is a passing pleasure. It's not permanent. You know, you can go out and you can have a thrill, but I'll tell you what, you have to pay the price. We see it all the time with these Hollywood people, don't we? Holy cow. Uh, they look good with all the makeup on and all the cuts they do on the on the video, but boy, their personal life, they look terrible. They're ruined. They're all coming in and out of rehab all the time, in and out of jail. They're marching them in. And, uh, the passing pleasure of sin doesn't... Uh, doesn't last. And he said, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm going to stop serving the God of sinfulness anymore. And he esteemed the reproach of Messiah greater riches. He said, I know there's got to be more riches than this. And so he started to think about future things, greater riches. And that's salvation. Do you know if, uh, if you're saved today by the grace of God, you're the richest person in all the world? And, you know, if you look at your kids when you go home and you peek in on them at night and you know they're saved, I'll tell you what, you can't get any richer than that. You might say, well, I'll tell you, we're struggling to pay the car payment. Forget the car. Well, I mean, you've got to pay that somehow. But that does, that's not very important in light of eternity. You know that? It's not very important. Salvation is the most important thing. And the, and the Bible says he looked forward in verse number 26 here to the reward Matthew six nineteen. Surprise me with this verse, okay? There it is. Okay, let's read it. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In our service last night, I was telling the people uh, about my mother. Of course, this is Mother's Day, and I'm not going to get into a, a thing about my mother. But uh, my mother had nothing when she died. But she was rich. She was rich. When I came to visit her, she would, I'm sure she would say, I'm the richest mom in the world. My son knows Jesus as his Savior, and my daughter knows Jesus, and their kids know Jesus as their Savior. Uh, she lived so long that she had nothing uh, uh, left. She had a little closet with a few old clothes that she never wore, about this big. She had three drawers that, of clothes that she seldom wore. She had a few little trinkets that she thought was important. That's what was left. That's what, what she had left. But you know what she did? This is what she did. She didn't leave behind a big house or a bank account that my sister and I could fight over. She left a few pieces of junk, and we haven't fought about it. Uh, but she sent all of hers on ahead. And she's a pretty rich lady. So my message to you, Mom, is, is don't, uh, don't worry about uh, those material things. 
the spiritual thing is really what counts. And then there's the potential of the baby. Uh, boy, boy, when Moses took off, he took off. By faith, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover. Uh, by faith, he passed through the Red Sea. I'll tell you what. What kind of faith did he have? He had the faith of his mother. You know, if I had the power to turn back the clock to go back to the house at the end of the block, I know I'd love it more than I did. Uh, and I know I'd listen to my mother more than I did. For she really knew what life had in store. And all the advice my dad used to give, his voice I'll remember as long as I live. And oh, what I'd give today for the chance I once had to do so much more for my mother and dad. To give them a little more joy and a little less pain, a little more sunshine, a little less rain. But we can't go back, whether we're born in a mansion or in a shack. But we can begin right now in the hour that's here to do something more for the ones we hold dear. Someone said God could not be everywhere, so he gave us mothers. A person joined the church one time, and the pastor asked, What was it uh, that introduced you to be a Christian? And the person said, Nothing that you said to the pastor. It was my mother's life that influenced me. I read a story one day of an angel who stole away from heaven and came to the world one bright sunny day, roamed through the field, the forest, the city. And as the sun went down, uh, decided that uh, this angel would go back to heaven. He said, now that my visit is over, before I return, I'm going to gather some momentum of my trip, some keepsakes. He looked at the beautiful flowers in the garden and said, how lovely and fragrant, and plucked the rarest roses, made a bouquet and said, I see nothing more beautiful and fragrant than these flowers. The angel looked farther and saw saw a bright-eyed, rosy-cheeked kid and said, that baby is prettier than the flowers. I'll take that too. And looked behind to the cradle. He saw a mother's love pouring out over her baby like a gushing spring. And the angel said, the mother's love is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'll take that too. And with these three treasures, the heavenly messenger winged his flight to the pearly gates, saying, before I go in, I have to examine the mementos of my trip from the earth. He looked at the flowers, and they were withered, and he looked at the baby's smile, and it had faded. And he looked at the mother's love, and it shone as all in in its its pristine beauty. He threw away the withered flowers and cast aside the faded smile. And with the mother's love pressed to his breast, he swept through the gates into the city, shouting that the only thing that he had found that would retain its fragrance from earth to heaven was a mother's love. Mothers, we honor you. You're the best. When my kids call my house, you know what they say? Let me talk to mother. That's exactly what they say. And she said, well, don't you want to talk to your dad? They said, no, we're talking to you. Mothers talk to people. You know, the dads don't do that. Dad says, huh, huh. How inspiring is that? Yeah. Mothers, we, uh, we can't thank you enough for the most important job that you do. And uh, we appreciate you on this Mother's Day. Let's bow our heads in prayer.
I wonder today, as we, uh, you know, our hearts are real tender on this day, and I wonder how many mothers are are wrestling with the fact of salvation. Maybe you've never come to a place in your life that you've truly trusted Jesus as your Savior. Well, this would be a good day to do that. Right there where you sit this morning, just reach out to the Lord, confess your sinfulness to Him and turn away from it and trust Him and Him alone for your soul salvation. Uh, you just pray to Him in your own words. You know, He understands all language and He understands the meaning of your heart. And maybe you're a mom here and, and maybe you're pretty convicted today because, well, maybe you just haven't lived up to your own expectations, uh, things you wish you would have done. Well, let me encourage you. Uh, why don't you make things right today with God? You know, it's not too late to go back and redo it somehow. Or fathers, maybe you're a dad here and you've never accepted Christ. Why don't you do that today? Just humbly open your heart to Christ and invite him in for forgiveness and, and work together with your wife. To Maybe you said, maybe you're here today and you didn't do such a good job with your kids. But, well, you know, you can come to Christ and you can go to your kids honestly and say, listen, you know, we messed up. Forgive us. We're going to live. We're going to live for Jesus now, and we want you to live for Jesus too. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this service that we can have today to bring honor to your name. We we pray now that as we uh, sing our closing song, that you will bless us together. Maybe there are some people in our church that would just like to walk down this aisle this morning and kneel across the front of this church and pray to you from their heart. We pray that you give us the freedom to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.